Hey everyone, welcome to the latest edition of Vinylism. I'm your host, Adam Winchell. Good to be back with you again. And we have Kenny tonight. Kenny, how you doing? Yo, yo, yo. What's up, brothers? Ready to talk some vinyl. It's been a little bit since we've done one of these. Like three months, probably. Yeah, it's right like that. The other voice you heard was Chemo. What's going on? Not much. It's been a vinyl draw because I got to see a bunch for uh, air conditioning units. That's right. It's all, yeah. it's all working now, though, right? Everyone's got to have priorities. Yeah. You have to keep your records cool. Yep. That's important. <laughs> so tonight, I figured we would do our annual now. This is our second best of the year. This would be best of 2019. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff this year. We're going to pick five each. We're going to go around between us. And uh, who wants to go first with their number five pick? Best of 2019. Kenny? Uh, All right. It's that time of year. Everybody likes end-of-year lists and stuff. So, uh kind of scrolling through taking a look at what i've uh, acquired in this past year and uh it's been i bought quite a bit quite a bit of stuff made quite a few trips to the record store but not too many new releases so i was kind of sifting through my uh my top top five and well that's what all we're worried about is new stuff by the way too for those listening so um yeah, I'm going to start with uh, my number five on my list for 2019 is from uh, Jay Robbins, Unbecoming. And for those of you not familiar with Jay Robbins, uh, he used to be part of the band Jawbox back in uh, the 90s. And uh, he was also part of Burning Airlines. And he also does uh, producing, recording, engineering for quite a few other bands and pretty awesome all-around artist man i always always love everything he does so uh yeah he released a, an album uh like a solo album sounds sounds uh sounds like him put it that way it's got kind of a mixture of styles in there some of it sounds a bit like burning airlines and and uh he had another project called channels that that uh sounds reminiscent of some of the stuff on this on this album hey what's it called <laughs> called unbecoming all right and uh yeah i got a chance to see uh see them play um what was that chemo you were at the shows too that was like back in july july yeah was that was some awesome shows two nights back to back first night was with craig craig wedren of uh shutter to think think. oh he's fantastic Second night was No Night, and that was a bonus, having them come out of semi-retirement. So you went to both nights, chemo, of course, right? Yeah. Those were amazing nights, and they played... Well, Jawbox played different sets each night. It was great, just watching Jay Robbins. It It was fantastic. Got to... Talk to uh, Barocas, Zach Barocas after afterwards, and he's really nice too. Zach De La Roca? <laughs> Barocas. <laughs> yeah, it was a that was a good show. I, I was at I was there for the second night with no night, 
and yeah, No Knife is a great band too. I, I uh, don't have any of their stuff on vinyl, but I was back in my CD collecting day. Got several of their albums on CD, and uh, that was a, a band that I got. So it was cool to see them. And yeah, I mean, they, they rocked it, man. Uh, Jawbox was, was pretty awesome. And, uh, I think I tried to pick up the vinyl. I think I tried to pick up his vinyl at the show, and they were all sold out. Uh, his uh, solo Unbecoming album. But uh, I was able to grab it, I believe, off of Amazon. I still had a copy and was able to grab it there. What's the track you like on there? Ah, uh, man, uh, they're, they're all pretty good, man. They like uh, the opening track, Anodyne, is pretty classic. Sounds, sounds a lot like what you'd expect to hear from them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Ab- Abandoned Mansions is a good one too. Uh, it's it's a it's a solid album, man. I mean, it rocks. There's some there's some a uh, little bit heavier stuff, a little bit more stuff. I have to check it out. I haven't heard it. <clears throat> good. I always like uh, his his production. He's got his own studio, his Magpie Cage recording studio in Baltimore, and uh, that's where he recorded all this stuff, kind of. Off and on in between all the other projects he's doing, engineering and recording other bands. Nice. So Jay Robbins, Kenny's number five, Unbecoming, is that what it's called? Yep. Right on. Chemo. Yes. So my number five. I chose Baroness Golden Gray. Two double a piece set, colored vinyl. And I bought this at Amoeba, uh, I think it was a couple days after its release, and um, earlier this year, I don't remember the exact date of when it was released, but uh, this has a huge collection of songs since it's a double, and it's kind of like their previous album, uh, Yellow and Green, which was the double prior before the album Purple came out, which was their release before Golden Gray. And uh, that had some awesome songs on there. And this one has roughly a little over like 16 tracks on it. Wow. And uh, a lot of good songs on there. And this is, in addition, they have a new guitarist, a uh, I forget her name, but uh, she was also featured on um, Two Minutes from Midnight, that podcast, video podcast that has uh, Stephen Brodsky and guys from Utoid Man, and they featured the guitar, the new guitarist from Baroness before she. They release any music through Baroness with her on it. And uh, she's an outstanding writer. She's a great asset to the band. She sings backups. And, uh, yeah, it's like good stoner rock. So it's an actual double album, right? Yeah. Of course, 16 tracks would have been a CD by Soundgarden in the 90s, you know. Yeah, like super <laughs> Down the upside. But uh, yeah. I still haven't heard this, this new... Baroness, I, I need to check it out. 
there's a whole slew of songs that I like on there. Uh, there's a mixture of mellow. It's like young green, like a mixture of mellow and to uh, ro- more rockin' yeah. rockin' songs. So, um, some standout tracks for me is "Blankets of Ash." Crooked Mile, uh, Broken Halo. Actually, I can't listen to a song by itself on this record, so I just listen straight through from front to back. That's a good sign. Yeah. <clears throat> Ken, you've checked this out, right? Yeah, hey, uh, yeah. I've, I've heard some of this album. I haven't heard the entire thing, start to finish. But uh, I've, heard, I've heard a bunch of it. Uh, pre-singles, right? Pre-release yeah, singles? Yeah, definitely that. I, you know, um, I know this is a vinyl show here, but I've, I've put it on on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's good shit, man. I like him. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Baroness. Uh, Gina Gleason's the new guitarist. Nice. Yeah, she seems to fit in really well. Um, there's definitely a lot of stuff has similarities to their previous previous albums, but uh, there's some little subtle differences in there too. What are your thoughts, Kimo, on the recording? Like, there's there's always this ongoing dialogue that I've seen with people online about uh, how they just seem to overcompress the hell out of out of uh, the recordings. How do you feel about this one? Mm. Well, Spotify, it's it's okay, but then the vinyl, it sounded all right to me. I mean, I'm, I don't have the pickiest of ears. When it comes to sound, but uh, why? What was the main discussion about the record? Uh, well, I've heard it, especially in the past, like their previous album, Purple, which I personally love. A lot of people people think uh, it's slammed recording. Yeah, it's just yeah, like it's, it, it's like almost distorting. Like you can hear like like the drums, like the snare drum flipping out in the recording. Like uh, just doesn't uh, doesn't have kind of the it's hot. <laughs> Polish and mix that you like to hear, I guess, so to speak. And uh, I've seen quite a few people talk to recordings for that. Not, not that the music and the songs are great, but uh, I was just mm-hmm. curious if the vinyl sounded good, the dynamics sounded good. Yeah, I, I'd say the dynamics are, are okay on this, but I'd never really participated or looked at the discussion about their about Purple. I'll have to listen to Purple now because <laughs> I have that on vinyl. So now, are the are the records? What is it? What are the new one? What's the new one called? Uh, it's Golden Golden Gray. Are the records Golden Gray? Uh, they are. It's it's gray colored with a little bit of yellow in it. Oh yeah. I want to check that out. It was the Amoeba version of it. Nice. Yeah. Gotta love that colored vinyl. Yeah. 
So Kimo's number five is Golden Gray from Baroness. For me, this won't surprise anyone. My number five pick came out earlier this year, and it is Swerve Driver's Future Ruins, which I picked up on Clear Vital from the Danger Bird store, which is the label they're on now, or it was through the website of Danger Bird. Supposedly limited to 350, and also pressed pressed at Rainbow, which back on the complaining stuff, I don't ever hear a lot of good stuff about pressings from Rainbow, but I think this is actually, I just had it on the other night, it's pretty good sounding pressing, it's a good album, great album really, I like it a lot, a um, few tracks on here I like a lot, the opener, Merry Winter, the song Lonely Crowd Fades in the Air, the song The Ascending is great. This year, I'm surprised they didn't. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't play some of these. They were playing a lot of mellow stuff, but uh, great album. I'm, both of you guys have this, right? Kenny, I know you got it. I yeah. don't have it. I wish I picked it up. Kenny, you have it. You? What version did you get, Kenny? Did you just get the black vinyl, or did you get the clear also? I had the the clear one too. Cool. So yeah. Always like a good Swerve Driver album. It's no Mezcal head, but uh, I like it a lot. Some good yeah. good rock on here. You know, Swerve Driver, been been a fan of theirs for a long time. Uh, their new stuff, you know, it kind of doesn't really surprise you anymore. It's not like you're going to put, put it on and hear something totally unexpected. They seem to mellow it out a little bit. And they, yeah. Salad years, older age, however you want to call it, but uh, still good, man. It's it's very. Uh, I put it on recently, like uh, it's it's very good rainy day weather music. Mm. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of down, a little dark, a little mellow, a little chill, but uh, it's good stuff. You know, when I first spun this all the way through, when I first got it. I wanted to hear it again right away, so I thought that was a good sign. But uh, I can't say I've, I've spun it a ton since then. But uh, yeah, Future Ruins by Swerve Driver. It's my number five pick. Great album. So that brings us back to Kenny for number four. All right, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with uh, something that I just picked up uh, from uh, our trip to Freak uh, Beat Records on uh, Black Friday Record Store Day. Yeah, it's the Kinks. Arthur or the Decline and Fall of the British Empire, which uh, it's like the 50th anniversary release that they put out this year. Really oh, yeah. came out in 69, and they just did a deluxe reissue of it this year. And just kind of flipped across it in the stacks, and, and it called out to me and was like, yeah, I need to get some, some more more old 60s rock in my, my collection. And I've uh, been really digging it. It's pretty cool, man. Uh, very... Uh, very 60s sounding, like reminiscent of, of 
like the Beatles and some other bands uh, from the area with some of the recording tricks and things that they were doing. And, and uh, interestingly, it inspired me to, to, to do some digging and reading up about the Kinks, man, and discover some things about them that I didn't really know. We got some classic some classic tracks, but uh, they were uh, super influential, man, for, for pushing the envelope with like some pretty ballsy rock and roll for the day. And uh, some of their tunes, like obviously the ones people know, like you really got me now. Yeah. That were they, they basically laid some of the groundwork for kind of like riff-based hard rock and metal and stuff that kind of came after them. And uh, they were kind of badasses. I didn't I didn't know this until uh, I was reading up on it, but uh, they were banned from touring the United States in 1965, like between 65 and 69, I think. They weren't allowed to tour in the U.S. Uh, because they got into trouble touring uh, previous to that. Like apparently, uh, you know, long long before the brothers and brothers Gallagher and Oasis were famous for fighting. Like in the Kinks, had two brothers, Ray Davies and Dave Davies, and they used to fight quite frequently. And uh, apparently, they fought with the drummer too. And during during one show in Australia, I believe Dave Davies, a guitar player kicked over the drum set and the, the drummer uh, Mick, Mick Amory I believe it is and uh, drummer picked up his hi-hat stand clocked Dave over the head knocked, knocked him unconscious and then ran off stage uh, trying to hide from the police fearing that he killed Dave Davies <laughs> and uh, apparently their reputation preceded them and they got banned from the US and it sort of hurt some of their, their stock and record sales at Damn. The U.S. market, and uh, this album in six came out in '69, and like when you listen to it, it, they were really, you know, kind of pushing the envelope in certain ways uh, with some recording techniques and things at the time, and, and very, uh, they're very much into doing their own thing, not giving a fuck. You know, basically, they uh, didn't want to get influenced by like record labels telling them what to do. One of the bands that I feel sort of helped lead the way a little bit in that regard too. Just being an artist, whether it was commercially successful or not. Oh yeah. I've been listening to it a bunch, and uh, it's, it's a pretty good album. So I don't know if you got if you're too familiar with some of the old Kink stuff, but they've got they got quite a bit of good stuff and uh, kind of buried in buried in the stacks from. Like this was actually their, what, their seventh album. Wow, it's kind of, kind of uh, crazy to to believe, you know. Like things happened fast back in those days. You know, you had bands putting out two, three albums a year sometimes, as opposed to now, where it's like one album every three years or th- every thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's I'm, I'm calling that my number four for the year. Take into the vaults. Some of the old stuff paved the way for the stuff we hear now. So that's a double LP. It is. It is. It's uh, it's got the original recordings, uh, as well as some other stuff. It's got apparently Dave Davies uh, was, had been working on a solo album, kind of on and off for a while. So they uh, released a bunch of the stuff that was kind of sort of dubbed the Lost Dave Davies album. Hmm. They put in a few other, few other tracks and recordings. And I think on the uh, 
digital version of it, it's got the mono and stereo. Apparently, it was originally released in both in the UK, but in the US, it was only really so it's got mono and stereo mixing. So, uh, it's, it's pretty cool, man. It's one of those ones uh, where I feel like I'm kind of digging into the history of rock and roll a little bit and, and checking up on a, on a band that was more influential than I think they get credit for. They've definitely inspired plenty of people, no doubt about it. But they are a little under the radar as far as, you know, being mentioned in the same breath as the other dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at some of the stuff, like uh, some of the, like that doesn't sound like much now, right? But uh, it's like that some of the distorted guitar tones they got, like on You Really Got Me, which is one of the most well-known songs, right? Which came out on their first album. And it was actually like the third single they released. And the record label was ready to drop them if the third single wasn't successful because they we weren't doing as well as they had hoped. And that song came out, bam, that was a great history. But the recording of it, we got that tone by slicing up his speaker. Yeah. Basically getting the overdrive tone out of playing through a blasted speaker. It's awesome. And, uh, did a bunch of shit like that that you just kind of forget about these days. That some of these people had to innovate and do, do stuff like that and push the envelope. Cool. Kids, check out the kinks. <laughs> Daniel Davies is Dave Davies' son. It's the Aegis guy? Been, huh? I'm sorry, is it the Aegis guy? No, it's actually, uh, he was in a band called or D- Daniel Davies. I keep going bouncing back and forth between Dave Davies. But uh, he was in Year Long Disaster and Sky, C-K-Y. Or that... I don't know how you pronounce that, but that's his son. Year-long disaster thing. I think Adam. I think you and I saw him play at the old Spaceland one time. They're opening up for somebody. Hmm. I might have been there too. Yeah, I saw them a few times, and uh, one of my buddies is used to be in a band with Daniel Davies, and uh, yeah, he's an interesting guy. Kima, what's your number four pick? My number four is Spotlight's Love and Decay on Ipecac Recordings. And it was released in April of this year. It's uh, like, I guess, shoegazy kind of, but it's like metal and sludge mixed together, like all in a cauldron of lava or something. And uh, I, I... I like, uh, they released one of the first singles and I was captivated by it, but I also like their previous record, Seismic, and uh, that was the first record that got me into Spotlights, and so I bought this record on pre-order and it came as a double vinyl mauve colored vinyl, and uh, so the first thing I heard was The Age of Decay, and that was the first single that they released before the album was dropped. So, and that pretty much reeled me in for this record. Another song that I liked was uh, The Particle Noise and Far From Falling. 
And uh, I'm glad they're on IPCAC. Mike, Mike Patton is owner, co-owner of that label, and they've been releasing some good stuff, and I'm glad they signed Spotlights. Nice. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good album. That one, uh, I don't know why I didn't pick it up. I, I thought about it a couple of times. Um, I, I, I like their stuff. They got that super heavy, super heavy thick and low kind of tone. You know, nice yeah. guitar tones. And, and, and the vibe is real moody and like kind of chill, mellow, soft vocals over the top of it. Interestingly, I was listening randomly. I was browsing on Bandcamp for music today while I was at work, and uh, I ended up listening to Machines Learning, which apparently uh, is a band that Mario Mario Quintana uh, or Quintero Mario Quintero uh, that was like a previous band that he had before Spotlights, uh, which is kind of cool too. It's kind of a little bit different. It's in the vein of like I don't know a hum and something like that with like that same kind of like chill vocals but with the, the heavy thick guitar tones and he was playing drums in that band before he started Spotlights the Spotlight's a two piece three well they're now a three piece they've had their drummer finally so I saw the drummer at the DJ List Deftones he was there for to see Hob nice is it machines learning? Machines learning, yeah. Wait a second. They were a San Diego band, but then I guess Mario Quintero moved to New York to trying to find Yeah, Mario Quintero, you played drums on it. Shit, man. That's cool. I didn't know that. I saw Machines Learning at that small dive bar in La Kenyatta, I feel what it was called. Place it's like a, now it's called the War Room. Yeah, I feel what it was called before. Oh yeah, that place. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little, it's not a bad little joint. It's just off the beaten path. It is. Yeah, I think that's why it didn't have, survive or uh, do well back in the day. So. Yeah, this was a random thing. I, I, I stumbled across this machine learning. I was, I was listening to it, and you know, I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And I scrolled down and see the band members, and I'm like, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. And sure enough, yeah, it's the dude from Spotlights. Wow. All right, cool. Spotlights. For me, my number four pick, a band from Brazil called Bugarins. And the album, and I'm going to mangle this, no doubt, Sombro Duvadia. And I think this is their third or fourth full-length album, possibly the fourth. These guys are great. I saw them open several years ago for a Dugan out here. I was blown away, and I was lucky enough to catch them again here recently. They were at uh, the Bootleg Theater, and they don't get out to the U.S. much, but uh, great band live. It's kind of psychedelic rock. They sing in Portuguese. And, uh, yeah, I love this record. Like, this is definitely some good stuff. Right on. So did you discover them again? You saw them with Dugan, right? Yeah, I saw them with Dugan, like, in 2014. And 
been a fan since, so I bought like three of their records since then. Yeah, this one came out in May on Overseas Artist Recordings. <clears throat> Anything special about the record? Was it colored or? Uh, it's I think it's straight up black vinyl. Nothing special. Ex- okay, that's cool. Nothing special except the music to me on this one. So uh, I like this a lot. Check out Bugarns. Great band. Yeah, I'm not super familiar. Like I can't name song titles, but I've listened to their stuff, and it's it's very uh, it's very cool. Chill. We've got a bunch of different influences in there, man. It's it's, it's good, man. Yeah. When I'm I'm in the mood to reach for something other than like my usual metal, stoner rock, pigeonhole that I drop myself in. Yeah, it's all good. We like what we like. So uh, speaking of which, which, which stoner rock album are you gonna pick for your number three? Well, uh, my number three album, not exactly stoner rock, but it is it is heavy and fuzzy and. Spacey, I am quite partial to sort of heavy space rock. Uh, going back to a release, I almost forgot came out in 2019 because it was released in early January of 2019. But it's uh, from the band Self Evident, and uh, the album's called Lost Inside the Machinery. And uh, they are a band from Minneapolis and uh, been around currently since 1997. And uh, I first got turned on to these guys, I don't know, back around, trying to think of what albums. I, I had a CD of theirs that came out in 2012 called We Built a Fortress that was uh, pretty good. And I saw them play, uh, play a show. I think, I think you were there, Timo. I was play? promoting it. Yeah, at the, uh, the Five Star Bar, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> so when Train Dodge played? Train Dodge was touring with Self Evident. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I got Ghost Idols to play and uh, Open Hand. It was, like, yeah, it was a badass show, man. It was a good build. It's yeah. epic. Yeah. And they kind of lost track of these guys for a while. Um, but uh, I, I heard that they had an album coming out and uh, picked it up. And um, I mean, it's, it's awesome. I mean, uh, it's super heavy they've got like some really cool guitar tones and good mixture of kind of a little bit a little bit mathy heavy rock at times a little funky a little indie rock in there um great vocals great interplay between uh, the guys in the band and uh, it's an it's an awesome album uh, i believe it's i don't have it in front of me but i believe it's white vinyl which is cool, and the uh, album artwork is pretty sweet too. Do you have this in your Discogs? I'm not seeing it, Kenny. Yeah, it is. He's lying. <laughs> yeah, there's some. Uh, I mean, I I gotta say I like this whole album, but uh, you know, Lost Inside the Machinery is a great track. The Cutter is a great track. I I highly recommend it. You like, you know, kind of noisy, heavy, alternative, grunge, math, space rock mix. Um, you'll, you'll nice. 
I think it was Apatonic maybe that released uh, MP3 long time ago. For self-evident, that's how I fell in love with that. Epistemology, I think, is their first record. But they did an EP and did an assortment of releases, so I collected all the CDs, but I'm not sure if they release them on vinyl. I'll have to look on Discogs to see if they release those on vinyl. I'd love to get the first record on vinyl. Kima, what's your number three? My number three, sir, is Asteroid Self-Titled. It's on Blood Music Records. It's a two LP. I got the limited edition green transparent vinyl, and it was uh, released in February. What I love about Astronaut is that the singer reminds me of Mew, and my favorite Mew record is "In the Glass Handed Kites." With Zookeeper's Boy, like being the first track I ever heard by them, and fell in love with that band. The singer reminds me of you, so, and it's like having really super heavy rock or metal with some blast beats mixed in, in there, but no growly vocals. It's just all newish, kind of pretty vocals, so it's really cool. It's like my fixation for having that singer lead like a different band altogether. They're called at. I think he spun asteroid. Asteroid. I think he spun that record at one of our uh, vinyl listening parties. Yeah, it sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommend seeing them live too. They're really good live band. They used to have three guitars, guitarists, but now they trimmed it down to two. So, but they're they're really good live. Where'd you see them, Kimo? I saw um, I saw two shows in one night, and I remember skipping out on the headliner when Astronaut was opening at the Regent for another band. I don't remember who was headlining, but I didn't care. And I went to another show at the Resident for another band. I don't remember the night now. So, uh, but it was Astronaut puts on a really good show. Although the only negative aspect of it is he uses backing tracks for his vocals sometimes because they've got like multiple layers of vocals. Yeah, stacked. Yeah. But it sounds pretty good though. Sweet. Number three is a group called, well, it's not a group, it's a DJ guy. <laughs> he goes by Floating Points. The album is called Crush on Ninja Tune Records. And Floating Points is a guy named Sam Shepard. And this is like his third or fourth record also, maybe third. But uh, stuff keeps getting more and more ambitious. And so he's got like a viola player on here and a violin player, flute, French horn, cello, clarinet on some of these tracks, like really expanding the palette. And uh, I'd almost call it like, Baroque electronica. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting stuff. I like this, what this guy does a lot. They describe it in Discogs as future jazz, and it's probably a good enough uh, description of it as any, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Floating Points, Crush, highly recommended. Just regular black vinyl, single release, or single record. This uh, just came out in October. 
kind of related to DJ Crush, right? Well, the act is floating. The this is floating points. The album's called Crush. Oh, okay, I see. I get that makes sense. Yeah. I haven't heard DJ Crush though. He's more like trip hop. Yeah. Around that border, kind of among that group group of trip hop bands that came out in the nineties. Wow. So that's my number three. We're on to two, Kenny. My number two pick is uh, a band from Sweden called Scray Code Lot. They put out an album this year called Yorpe, which I believe means Earth. And uh, they are a badass band. Uh, came to know them through the band Truck Fighters, who you guys both know. And Truck Fighters, guitarist from Truck Fighters, started his own record label called Fuzzarama and uh, this, this is uh, a band that's one of the bands that's on their label right now Fuzzarama released this Yorpe album it's a uh, standard black vinyl came out on Fuzzarama Records this year and uh, it's uh, it's great heavy moody kind of proggy um, somewhat technical but not overly technical um just like really good rock stuff man. And all the vocals are in Swedish so I can't say that I really know what the lyrics are about but other than what I've read up that uh, this album is based on a story written by a sci-fi author named Nils Hawkinson who uh, apparently wrote the story specifically for them to be able to put the music to it and make an album it says set in the 20s a mystery with Lovecraftian connotations the album story yeah. t- told through eight songs. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm trying, still trying to get my hands on like you know some lyrics. The translation. Story or something, but uh, yeah, I mean I know it has uh, something to do with with uh, you know, some creatures and sci-fi aspects, and uh, the the band name Spread Coldland is something like translates to something like Great Lizards, um, sort of like a I don't know, some sort of uh, mutation of a dinosaur or Godzilla or something kind of like that. But they've always had kind of a trippy out there sci-fi kind of thing for their music, uh, as far as their movements and stuff. And it's just a, it's just an awesome badass album. There's some some great fuzz rock, you know, fuzz guitar tones on there. Some really cool melodic stuff. Really good drumming, bass tones, the vocals. Um, very melodic vocal, so it's not like a hardcore screamo type of thing, but it's a, it's a heavy rock sound. And, uh, it's uh, it's definitely a grower, and uh, I don't mind that I don't know what the hell they're singing about because they don't speak Swedish. It doesn't bother me, the music's awesome, so let's spin it to that
the fourth full length, it looks like, and they've been putting stuff out since 2010, so. Yeah, been around for, for a little while. Not, not as familiar with their very early stuff, but uh, I've heard the, uh, probably blasting the Swedish pronunciation, but Apple, Apple Trotet, which is like the apple tree, um, album that they put out, I think, in 2011, something like that. And uh, I'd like to get my hands on uh, this other uh, album of theirs called Sagor, but uh, the vinyl, looking at it right now on Discogs, there's one copy out there. 66 bucks. Yeah. So uh, not very widely released. And this new one is the first one on Fuzzerama label. Yeah, Fuzzerama's sweet because they've got their distribution from the U.S., so easy to get your hands on it. And I love the Truck Fighters. they got some cool bands that they're uh, putting out on their label. I wish they brought these guys out with them when we saw Truck Fighters here several months ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. I want to check this out. It looks cool. Number two. Yes. Porsche Admission. I really love this record, man. This this band has been around for a long time. Torch, yeah. Torch, Torch, Porsche, <laughs> however you want to pronounce it. Uh, this is like their third record on Relapse now, and I seem to have like almost like uh, seven variants of their album release. So on vinyl. Uh, it's just crazy, just like how how much uh, notoriety, not notoriety, but how popular these guys have gotten. Um, even with the inclusion of their new bass player, who is the guitarist for the band Wrong, I think they're from the East Coast somewhere. I forget where they're from, but uh, you might be from Florida as well. I'm not sure, uh, or Atlanta or something like that, but. Uh, He's a good addition. So now Jonathan Nunez, who played for Torch, now plays rhythm guitar for Torch. And he's like the producer, recording guru for Torch. And uh, they're an amazing band live. They don't disappoint. I've seen them with Dredge. I've seen them tons of times. And they're just a fun band live. Steve really gets into the music and he's he's such a dork and, <laughs> and to me <laughs> but he's a funny guy and he likes prancing around on stage and just like being a goofball and uh, I saw him with Red Fang I've seen him with he could play with almost anybody and just like fun uh, sludgy punky metally doom <laughs> And they got the, one of the guitars is like tuned down to like the ground note or something. It's just like so, it's just floppy sounding. It just sounds weird, but it just sounds like an earthquake when you listen to it. And even live, it sounds like, it's like. And uh, my favorite song off the record is Slide and Time's Missing. Nice. Yeah. God, I saw them so many years ago. Kenny, I think you were with me. We saw them at the Troubadour with someone else. You remember that? 
Uh, I remember the show. I'm trying to think of who else who, who it was that they played with. But yeah, Goofy for them is a good description. Just good in-your-face rock. Great. I do like Torch. I haven't heard this new one yet, though. It's good. I highly recommend it. Did you bring this one over to one of our parties? or? I brought one of their albums. I think it might have been Harmonicraft when uh, Andrew Elster was in the band from Riddle of Steel. That was his first record with the band. Harmonicraft's the first one I, I think I heard. Maybe the one before. Yeah. That's a fun record. And you can definitely hear Andrew's playing in, in his writing style in, in some of the songs on that record. But they're a fun band live. They're, they're just, it's just fun music. It's not like Debbie Downer or anything, but it's just like, it's really Really cool. Yeah. I like. All right. My second choice. I don't know if this is kind of a cheat or not, but uh, this album came out this year on vinyl, so I'm calling it a 2019 release. So you guys tell me if you agree. But my number two choice is Failures. In the future, your body will be the furthest thing from your mind. which started out as a series of EPs. And, of course, there's the whole Pledge Music debacle that we I think we talked about on a previous podcast. And long story short, the album came out on vinyl this year, in March. And I'm glad to have grabbed one. This is a great record. Double disc. Regular black vinyl. I like this better than the last one. I think this is a great album. What do you guys think? I enjoy it. I like it. It's different. It's more Autolux influence. I think it is. Some some of it. But it's it's a good record. I still like The Heart is a Monster. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah, I just think... I. I saw someone posting about listening to Fantastic Planet and then listening to The Heart is a Monster following it, and it doesn't really, like, transition well, but it, it kind of flows into it in a way, but, yeah, I'm going to have to do that a few more times to make, make a judgment about that, because someone was saying, like, yeah, you should listen to Fantastic Planet and segue right into Segue 9 or Segue 4. <laughs> segue 27. Yeah, so Segway 4 through 9 And then that's the end of that So they, they, they cut down that on here a bit. I think they kind of overdid that On Hard as a Monster Isn't there like 5 segways on there? Yeah, Which, 4 through 9 On here, it's 10 through 12 So there's only 3 I think it's a little more And it kind of breaks up The the really break up the sides It kind of like You know, breaks up the chunks of the songs the groups, yeah. but uh, man, it's like Fantastic Planet. Yeah, this is a great record, man. Uh, I do like the version of Pennies that they've redone. I'm not sure I like it as much as the original, though. They kind of changed some things. Yeah. Uh, the song "Heavy and Blind" on here is fantastic.
And uh, I love the final track, the Pineal Electorate, which sounds like Greg singing that one. Am I right? Yeah. Man, that's a great song. Yeah, it's a great closer. Uh, I'm just blown away by this record. So much to listen to on this. Can you hear your thoughts? You never got your copy. Kind of sucks. Yeah, I was one of the uh, one of the pledge campaign backers that kind of got shafted. I don't blame failure for it in any way, but I had contributed and uh, was registered to get a copy of the vinyl when it came out, and they weren't able to do that because of uh, the whole pledge scandal. But uh, it's pretty sweet, man. I I I, I love failure. Failure's you know, been one of my top five favorite bands for a long time. I think seeing them play this this last year, um, I mean, their their live performance was just off the hook. It's impeccable. Yeah, the album is great, and I dig the album and the tracks on there. But I mean, they're one of the few bands, in my opinion, that like it it, it made all the songs seem better. Like the albums and even their their previous tracks from uh, the Heart Is a Monster and stuff. All their live tracks that they did, it was just fucking awesome. I mean, I thought sounded so good the energy vibe tone sound everything. yeah their live sound is great their stage show looked great they performing yeah. great like it's like top notch stuff I think they sound better than ever right now like yeah they sound like a strong three piece with like the production quality of like like a normal like I don't know like not like tool but uh production quality but I mean just like the Lighting was awesome, the ambience of the music, and it, it just all melded well together. Definitely. This is on Failure Records also, so self-release, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to have to pick it up one of these days. I'm sure that I will. I've thought about it a few times. Didn't want to pay the $70 price for the autographed copy. <sighs> but uh, I, I'm sure that eventually... It'll be added to my, my collection. I did just grab The Heart is a Monster last week at Black Friday Records for a day. I had to talk you into that one. <laughs> but, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those ones I have to kind of pick up and re-listen to because I hadn't really listened to it in quite a while, for a few years, and uh, it's it's grown on me, man. It's good stuff. I love those guys. I think we're very lucky to have new stuff from failure. So Yeah especially at this level of quality. So mm. <laughs> I don't know. Do you guys count this as a 2019 album? That's when the record came out. But I know, I guess maybe the CD had come out last year, or at least the, <clears throat> excuse me, at least the digital did. I, I, I'm no, I'm no vinyl policeman. So. <laughs> well, thank God. I mean, if it was, if, if it was released in 2019, it's good enough for me. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, Kinks album came out 50 years ago. There you go. It wasn't like a fresh recording, but <laughs> it was a vinyl release. That's what we talk about. Here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, speaking of which, Kenny, what's your number one of 2019? Well, I'm gonna Drum roll. I'm gonna go with a uh, a new find of mine. Their album just came out back in October, and uh, they're not super well known and. And so it might be a might be a shocking announcement. Is it extreme? Is it the Kinks? <laughs> no. 
It's not the Kings. <laughs> I, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm calling my number one, and maybe it's a little bit of a case of I got it more recently, so it's still fresher in my head, and I'm still been spinning a lot. But it's uh, a band called Black Mastiff, and the album's called Loser Delusions. This came out in October. Uh, these guys are a three-piece band from Edmonton, and uh, it's kind of uh, I don't know something about it just hits home with me. I just really like I really like the vibe. It's heavy, it's groovy, it's kind of grungy. It's got like some '90s attitude about it. Um, very to me, it seems very honest and un- unpretentious, and just one of those albums that I feel like I, uh, every time I pop it on, I dig it. Love it. So uh, that's that's what I'm gonna go with. Uh, it's kind of the uh, classic black vinyl album release. Came out on uh, a small small label called Grand Hand Records. Uh, that uh, puts out another Canadian band called Cron Goblin. I think I think one of the guys in that band started the label or something like that. Uh, but. Uh, it's just uh, it's just really good stuff, man. It's not anything new. It's not like you're gonna pop this thing on and hear like sounds that you've never heard before. But it's done in a good way. The singing, singing is tight, and uh, the drums and guitar and bass all just fit together like a glove. I think you brought this over uh, the last party, which is at yeah. my place, and uh, yeah, it sounded pretty good. I enjoyed it. I really dug what I heard. Yeah. Black Mastiff. Where did you say they're from? Are they Canadian? Yeah, they're from Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah, I really... Yeah, I, I like trying to find new stuff, so sometimes so when I'm bored, I go, like, scouring through the internet and Bandcamp and Spotify and whatever, trying to link from one band to another and stumble across some cool stuff, and that's when I came across these guys. They've been around for a little while. I think this is their third album put out uh, but I hadn't heard about them until recently and uh, yeah it's just, it's just uh, to me it's some badass groovy rock nice Kimo number one of 2019 number one of 2019 is for me Moon Tooth and I played it for you guys at when you guys came over to my place and the album's called Crux and uh, I stumbled upon them by hearing it on my release radar on Spotify it was Trust that I first heard then they released some Mega Days and then Odd All Angles was the third single and I immediately fell in love with all the songs and then when I got 
the first time I heard him, I was like, going, okay, these guys are touring somewhere, right? So then I found out that they were touring the Monday after I discovered them with Mark Morton of Lamb of God and another band called Torch Lights or something like that. And uh, Torch? Sorry. I wish it was Torch, but uh, sadly enough, it wasn't. And uh, uh, Moontooth was opening for two other bands, so I decided, fuck it. Maybe this is their first time to L.A. Little did I know, find out that it was their third time in L.A., and the first time or second time they played was at the Viper Room, and I think one of my buddies was a promoter for that show, and he played an hour-and-a-half show, and I was like, Wow. <laughs> Wow. So I wish I had known about them. I saw their name, but it didn't really click or it didn't really took the time to like discover them until their first three songs that came out on release radar. So I was like really impressed. So I love Omega Days. It's just such a fun, groovy, groove metal track. And it's got a lot of energy. And the singer's... Oh man, he's he's a really good singer. He's got he's got a huge like lungs or something. It's just like not like pitch wise, but he's he can belt it out really really well. It's just like really groovy metal. Nice. Yeah. Did you get the? I'm looking at your collection. Did you get the green smoke? Yeah, I did. I got the last copy. <clears throat> the nice. Luckily. Green smoke vinyl. Yeah. Looks pretty cool. They sold out, they sold out all their vinyl, uh, like within a few weeks of release. It says there's only 250 of those too. Yeah, and grab the display copy. Wow, there's a clear one too with black smoke. Apparently, it's probably more common. Yeah, but the music—I mean, the self-titled song is just amazing. It's like a beautiful, like, ballady song. But then when it breaks down to the last fifty seconds of the song, it turns into like a heavy metal monster. It's just—it's so brutal. It's like even the guitarists like screams on the song it's just like s such a turnaround and like uh like feel like from just like being mellow and all of a sudden it's just super fucking heavy and the rest of the album doesn't even sound like that at all but it's just such a good record i love every single song on this record and it's just i can listen to this front to back all the time i that's how i listen to it just front to back
Amazing record. It's my favorite. Moontooth. Crux. Yeah, it's good stuff. You, you played this one at one of our listening parties. And uh, it's, it's, that's what our listening parties are all about, man. Digging into some cool stuff. Going into the stacks, discovering new shit. So, dig these guys. They're a fun band live, too. The singer started punching himself with the mic. Because <laughs> he's just having so much fun, I guess. Let's check this album out because I can't. I can't, I can't remember it offhand. Senor Winchell. Yes. For your number one selection. Twenty nineteen. Well, I'm gonna have to go with Tom York's Anima, which I picked up a double album, orange vinyl on XL Recordings, which has the extra tenth track. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming. And, uh, you know, Kimo, we saw him live around this time of year last year, remember? Yeah. It was right around this time of year last year. And uh, he played a lot of this stuff. And I didn't know any, like, you know, I'm sure this stuff was on, like, on YouTube or some crap of him playing. But I didn't know any of this stuff when we saw him live. So it was all kind of going over my head. And uh, I didn't like it that much. But... Finally, makes a lot more sense hearing it on the album. So good. Like, I may have to say this is his best solo album out of the three he's done. Have you checked this out much, Chemo? No, I haven't. I need to, though. It's really fucking good. And, uh. It's, it's your number one, I'll have to check it out. I mean, good songs on here Traffic, the opener, uh, this Don Chorus, which was, I guess being kicked around as a Radiohead song for a while, maybe live. Uh, song Impossible Knots that has the Radiohead drummer Phil Selway. I'm tired of some really good stuff on this album very impressed it sounds amazing mastered by uh bob ludwig kind of legendary yeah so the vinyl sounds great it was a definitely a automatic buy and i'm glad i grabbed it so yeah tom york anima my number one pick i don't know that album too well i haven't had a chance to listen to it but there's so much out there Yeah. yeah I mean, got to thank a lot of stuff this year, like tons of music has come out. So much to listen to, like you said, Kimo. And I got to say, my real al- my real top album of the year, I th- would say, mm. is not on vinyl, but my real pick would be Tool's Fear Inoculum. And since we haven't got a chance to talk about that since last podcast, which was completely dedicated to Tool, go check it out after. Mm-hmm. The, go check it out after this one. What do you guys think of the album? Thirteen years later, new Tool. Well, I like it. I don't know if I would call it 
like the top album of the year just because i mean it's good amazing i went and saw him play i uh, got to go see them play out in denver at the pepsi center with my brother which was uh pretty awesome but uh i guess you know maybe maybe i'm spoiled we've been hearing them for so long but it didn't it didn't knock my socks off i'd have to call it like the tops of the year but definitely solid release man and uh, cool stuff seeing those guys live i mean they play they play the stuff great and see them live too and, uh, visually pleasing yeah I'm sure they're going to come out with some sweet overpriced direct final package at some some point in time <laughs> Keen, what do you think of the album Fear Not Kill my favorite tool record it's uh, however rank it above 10,000 Days for me 10,000 Days was their weakest recording in my opinion but uh, Fear Inoculum they don't really venture out like experimentally wise but I think I talked to my friend last night and he said that sometimes the writing process Adam Jones takes a long time to process a riff to perfect it and I think that's one of the reasons why Paul left is that he'd be happy with the riff hearing it the first time but then Adam would play like 3,000 times more and just Keep on trying to find every angle, every angle on it. Yeah. yeah, so I feel like they didn't go out of their comfort zone and they just kind of went with the formula. And I mean, I still like some of the songs on there, don't get me wrong, but I think it's the weakest album with the weakest opening track. Because I think, like, if you look back at the previous albums, you got Stink Fist, you got The Grudge, you got Intolerance, uh, you got Vicarious. Those are really strong opening tracks, but I think this one is like more mellower and just like kickback. I don't know. It's just, it's like the weakest like opening track for an album by Tool, in my opinion. I don't think it really helps to compare it to their other stuff. I know we all like to do that. I do it constantly but uh it is a mellower album for them you know there's moments of heaviness obviously yeah but uh just i don't know i like it a lot i think it's pretty great i think the excitement built up around it and like the experience of hearing it the first time it's just like unmatched for me it's not something i spin every day or even a lot i've spent a lot but uh I think it's solid, man. I might have listened to Fear Inoculum one too many times when it first came out. Yeah. So that might have battered my ears too much. So I wasn't trying to like overdo it personally. I I overdid it. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit, yeah. I like the new one. I mean, it's definitely more contemplative than their other stuff, which was usually more aggressive and things like that but uh, I guess for me that's why I don't rank it up rank it up there at the top for me is for like what I want to spin and listen to because it's a great album there's some good tunes on there but it's just not something I want to reach for and put on all the time got to be in a very specific headspace to want to listen to that well, we knew going in also that like each song was like 
minimum eight eight to ten minutes long, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think there's much on there that's not at least eight minutes. So it's kind of like what six very long songs, and then you have Danny's Chocolate Chip Trip, still a song, just an experimental kind of percussive drum thing, which is actually pretty damn amazing sounding, like surround sound, like or fakes around, like in my bedroom. But uh, I think it's a great sounding album. I wish the vinyl was available. I would have just bought that. The CD packaging was very impressive. The tour has been yeah. impressive. The tour is impressive. They're amazing live. They're kind of the whole whole package. They always have been. They still are. So just like failure, I think we're lucky to have new stuff from Tool. Yeah. And what is your favorite track on the album? My favorite track. I really like Numa a lot. I may have to go with that one. That's really the one that grabs me. What about you, Kenny? What's your favorite track? I'd probably say the same thing. That one, uh, one sticks out. Kimo, Kimo, you? Tempest? Yeah. I don't like Tempest as much as everyone else seems to, but it's definitely got its moments. Mm. That's I'm sure the vinyl's coming, man. I mean, you know that they'll put it out. We've just, haven't they been talking about repressing all their other stuff? They've always been kind of always been sort of whatever about vinyl but now that vinyl is uh gaining in popularity every year these years it seems so well there was an instagram story or video chemo did you get that thing i sent you it was sylvia massey massey and david bottrell yeah together together in the studio they're both ex tool producers sylvia massey did undertow obviously and opiate bottrell did ama and you do lateralis also? You did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. So yeah. clearly, they're cooking something up, like something's happening. So yeah, hopefully. Of course. Right, I hope I can, I can afford it. Too. <laughs> have to do the installment plan on a vinyl copy, maybe. Yeah, but I might have to sell a kidney. Get a second mortgage on my house. <laughs> oh jeez. But uh. It's kind of crazy how the tool madness has died down a bit, whereas before the album came out and right after, it was just like, ah, like everyone was so into it. And we've had a few months to live with it, and I think it's a great, it's a good album. That'd be my album of the year, but since there's no vinyl, I can't, I left it out of my top five, so. It'll be in 2020, hopefully. Maybe. Real quick, uh, recommendation slash... Honorable mentions, reissues. I know we've done, Kenny kind of mixed in some reissues. <clears throat> I have a few. King Crimson's Power to Believe finally got its, oh my God, yeah. its uh, first vinyl pressing. It's a double. And they also included the Happy With What You Have To Be Happy With EP, which came out before Power to Believe back in the day. But they added that in, has some early versions of a few songs. I'm glad they did add that because... I really like that uh, that EP as well. So that's that's an awesome package. Glad to have grabbed that. And the reissue, I probably mentioned this on a previous podcast, of Dubs' album, Lost Souls. Fantastic pressing. Definitely one of my favorites of the year. What about you guys? Any any other honorable mentions? Honorable mentions. Uh, let's see. 
one another band. I almost I almost put this one in my top five, but uh, I didn't. It's the band Sewin. They put out an album called Lotus that uh, it's pretty badass. They're a very heavy, uh, somewhat proggy kind of uh, band from Sweden. You know, they they kind of get lumped into. I, I've heard a lot of people seem to uh, compare them to Tool. Although I don't think they really sound very much like Tool, maybe a little bit in their first album, like you know, a while back. But, uh, the uh, Lotus album is pretty awesome. And uh, another one uh, that's up there is uh, a band called Lopan. We put, in, put out an album. Oh, man, yeah. And, uh, that's a pretty good one, too. I definitely, definitely recommend that. So we can put Desert Sessions volume... Uh... Which volume is this? 11 and 12? 11 and 12. Nah, it's, you know, I know you and I have talked about this, Adam, and it's, it's kind of goofy. I like it. I do, I do find it enjoyable. It's kind of a, it's kind of a fun record, but I, I don't put it up there as like top of these guys. I heard the whole thing on, online. I think the first and last tracks are great. Everything in the middle's, you know, Stuff in the middle is good too. <clears throat> the first and last tracks really stood out to me. Just him having some fun with his friends and that kind of that kind of thing. So you got to take it for what it is. That's that's why it doesn't really rank up there like it's a classic, but it's enjoyable. Put it on. I have a good time listening to it. And Kimo, I told you, Carlo from Autolux plays drums on a fair amount, yeah. all of it, if not a fair amount of it. Mm-hmm. That's always good. Sorry, get, I still haven't heard it yet. <clears throat> sorry to get off on a tangent on that. Uh, oh, cool. What about you, Kimo? For, is there anything you didn't mention? mentions mentions would be Russian Circle's Blood Year. Uh, honorable mention because I like the first track that they released was Arluck, and it had like a different feel from their previous records. However... There was only a few tracks I liked on here. Some of the other tracks were leaning more on their like deaf heavenish like riffs. So kind of just like went through it and just like I really like the track Kohokia. Yeah, Kohokia. That's a really cool track. And yeah, it would have been in my top five, but. Uh, not the strongest release for Russian circles out of their repertoire. I thought of another one that didn't make my top five. I haven't heard the vinyl, but the Mark Lanigan album, Somebody's Knocking. I was actually surprised how much I got into that. It's pretty pretty good, pretty catchy. It's a little more upbeat in terms of like musical. It's, musically, it's kind of a little more, I guess, electronic. It's kind of dark electronic and... Uh, that's a really good one. Hmm. It's in my top ten for sure. I haven't I haven't heard the new one, but I, I like Mark Lanigan a lot, so uh, it's one I'll have to put on my list to check. It out. Yeah, check it out. And did anyone hear the Opeth final? No, I haven't heard it yet. Can you get it? Can I? No, not the vinyl. I. I, uh, oh. I it's one of those ones where it was like on the fence. Like it's a amazing album i love the album and i thought about buying the vinyl but i don't know i was probably buying something else that week and had to 
Definitely. I still haven't heard it. I need to listen to that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing, man. I mean, the, and the fact that you uh, you wrote it all in Swedish, recorded the original album all in Swedish, and then went back and rewrote, you know, translated it and did it an English version, and uh, had to kind of edit things and make it work. It makes it work surprisingly well. So uh, that's no uh, no small feat either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love those guys, man. That's one I'll probably end up picking up eventually too. All right, best of 2019. There you have it, Kenny. Final thoughts? Well, it's uh, for 2020. Yeah. <laughs> another good year. Um, another IKEA Kalax cube <laughs> year. <laughs> have to get some more desk space more shelf space oh man next year. <laughs> so we'll see maybe uh maybe there's going to be some uh january sales on furniture and uh, <laughs> record shelving units to, to stock up for next year nice kilo final thoughts final thoughts um let's see so I'm slimming down on the record collection now, but not selling anything, but I mean, uh, not buying as much, but hopefully adding a few releases here and there, and hopefully I'll pick up some stuff in the new year, and looking forward to that tool. Hopefully it will be released next year. Yeah, I think it will be. Yeah, it's just a matter of how much. (laughs) was the thing I sent you the other day, probably opened my wallet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Great meme for Yeah. It's sad but true. I mean, you know. People pay it, so they're gonna put yeah, they're gonna end up paying for it. Yeah. Well on that note, thanks for coming guys. Great podcast. Let's do it again soon. Thank you. Alright. All right. Let's party like it's twenty nineteen. Say that again, Kenny. Keep spinning and winning. <laughs> it's not a game show. I mean, <laughs> keep spinning is our motto. We can just leave it at keep spinning. We should do fucking shirts, man. I could design a shirt. You should, man. And print them up. Everybody's going to yeah, want one, too. Project 2020, vinylism t-shirt. I love it. All right. That's our goal for next year. If you know our listeners crowdsource us, then it'll be even easier to... I'm not, I'm not planning on having this in the recording. Maybe I will. I don't know. But Maybe Pledge will start back up. Yeah, we can give them all our money to Pledge. What could go wrong? I saw Jeremy Enoch, and he said that he came unscathed from the Pledge debacle. And I told him about Ken Andrews, and so he's like, oh, I hope he gets, gets that guy. But I guess one of the guys who ran or co-helped with Pledge, but... 
but wasn't one of the bastards who he let this guy left early on from Fledge, and uh, he, he asked Jeremy if he would like to work with him. And Jeremy's like, 